0: Sunday morning is usually <laughs> pretty um, rabbinical around here, meaning usually I get up and I, we have a passage and we unpack that passage, and, and that's how we go at it. There is also a sense, however, that Sunday morning experience is a little bit like um, Thanksgiving dinner. It's the one time that we get everyone together. Oh, now it wants the password. <laughs> of course it does. Um. Impressive. Um. All right. So. No. There it is. It's there. Good. All right. Um. And so here's one of the things, and that involves like today. Today is an ab- going to be therefore an abnormal kind of Sunday. Just the fact that I have a computer up here instead of the iPad is a good sign of that. Um, and going through the slides like this. Um, Also, last week we had uh, Dr. Gene Getz, who is here, which is a great honor, and he was unpacking the significance, the importance of God's Word and God's will and how those two um, interact. And so if you've been here a couple of weeks um, as a guest, you've had two abnormal weeks in a row that that you might have experienced. Continue coming back, Lord willing, next week we will unpack. We will just go straight into 1 Samuel chapter 30. We have two more chapters in 1 Samuel before we wrap up the book. And, uh, and then we will be, amazingly, not to scare anybody, moving quickly into Advent. Um, so uh, that's the way that things are. And part of today's conversation is going to be an update on our capital campaign. So if you're like, you, you, this is your one Sunday, you're like, I visit, they always talk about money. Uh, maybe God's trying to tell you something, one. But two... Uh, Uh, We don't talk about money much here. And in fact, uh, growing up as a student minister, um, I had a really innovative way years after doing um, car washes and bake sales and all that kind of stuff. I finally at the last church where I was as a student minister said, here's the deal. Um, If you can raise this much money to send our kids to camp, I won't do a car wash. That became the new fundraiser for me. Was, we called it the non-fundraiser. If you'll raise this money, then we won't do a car wash. Everybody's like, pay you this much money to not have those kids wash my car again and scratch the, yeah, yes, here, eat, here, how big a check do I need to write? Right? It cost me $2,000 to have the kids wash my car last time. So in a sense, I will tell you, like, when we're there, we can stop talking about it. Like if we if we'll raise the funds, we'll stop having capital campaigns. Just kidding. So this is a so that's one is a notice. This is not a normal Sunday. Number two is a word of warning. You're going to see at some point at least flashed in front of your eyes for a few minutes, um, some pictures of some buildings. Do not fall in love with those pictures. Do not fall in love with those buildings. They are renderings. Um, I don't hate them either. Don't decide that you hate everything about it because of those pictures. They're renderings. They're concepts. Um, don't get married to them. Don't even date them. Just just say, like, this is... Okay, so I can maybe get something from there. But here's the deal. Our church, we can never start there. So I'm going to have to unpack some stuff. Programs, ministries, buildings must always proceed from our identity as His church. That's the key. Everything else is just stacked on top. Where we start... Is with his revealed word, and out of obedience to him, it's why we sing and pray the lines of Be Thou My Vision. It's not our church, it's his church. It was established, I believe, in Caesarea Philippi, when Jesus Christ said to uh, a handful of young men who were with him, um, who one of them who had just proclaimed, um, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and on that proclamation, I believe Jesus Christ says, um, you are the rock upon which I will build. That that proclamation is the rock upon which I will build my church, my church. It's His. Um, You're going to see that therefore um, our only measure of success is obedience to Him. We're doing church His way. Good. If we're not, burn it down. Um, It has no role in this world outside of doing church the way we believe He would want us to do church. Um, And I believe there's a very real possibility that there's one specific area where as a church, We have joined the culture in a mindset that is probably sinful, and I think we are actually probably in need as a church of repentance. I don't mean the church. Oh, that's probably true. I mean this one. We'll get there, Uh, myself included. Um, Lord willing, we will have a time for prayer and consideration at the end of the service. Also, Lord willing, we will have the time at the end, if you want to ask some detailed questions, we'll have some people who know answers to some of those questions um, sitting up here, um, and you can come up and ask. Also, today at 4.30 this afternoon, we will have an in-depth conversation with anybody who wants to come there and really in- unpack this stuff um, more in detail. So let's start where we need to start. Uh, the church may have been established, the Cesare of Philippi, but its practices really began in Acts chapter 2. Um, Here we have these first converts, these first Christians. Um, Now, when they heard this, meaning hearing the gospel that Peter had just unpacked for them, they said, "'Brothers, what shall we do?' He said, "'Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself.'" If you do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, this is the instruction to us as individuals that each, each of us, every one of us, repent, my friend, stop following yourself, stop following your own wisdom, and instead follow him, and then testify to this publicly through the act of baptism, and we got to see four young people do that for us this morning, to testify to this publicly. And in doing so, accept the Holy Spirit in His name, receive the abiding gift uh, of the power that comes through the Holy Spirit in our lives to guide us, to lead us, look to the Spirit to lead us. Most often, we just ignore the Spirit in our lives, and we live as though we are agnostic about God's rule in our life day to day, and we don't ever want to fall into that. God has given a promise to save those who hear and respond to His call. Each of us must look to the Lord to save us. To save us from, yes, the just wrath that God has for sin. And two, to save us from the empty and deadly existence that this, quote, crooked generation has the gall to refer to as life. When we accept this new, real, eternal, abundant life, we join an assembly. This is actually the root concept of the word church. It really is just an assembly to say that we're a church but we don't gather together is ridiculous church the church means an assembly now there is an invisible assembly the assembly of the believers the invisible church scattered throughout the whole world all of us who've been adopted into his family that is the invisible church It's scattered throughout time and space. It has been in existence for 2,000-plus years, rolling through the world, knocking down the gates of hell, setting afire the hearts and souls of men and women around the world, and it still is. There's a huge great awakening happening in the rest of the world, not including the Western world right now, um, where hundreds of thousands of converts are being brought to Christ. It's a powerful time to be alive. His church, his assembly. Well, once we do assemble, then what do we do? Well, luckily, the next verse gives us some insight into what they did, and we can model this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. So they were studying God's Word together, wielding the sword of the Spirit. Two, they were fellowshipping. I'll unpack that word a little more later. Discipleship, friendship. I don't know what they called them. I don't know if they were cell groups, life groups, Sunday school classes. I don't know what they called them but they were living together in community, in smaller groups, even within the big groups. You see on a piece of paper there in front of you or or under your rear end right now is a whole series of the life groups that are being offered here at South Spring. One of my theses is this. We have ceased, because of the leadership of our culture, we have ceased to become an inviting people. This is what we're going to be looking at today. I think we've ceased to become an inviting people. But let, me, let me give you an example of that. How many of you at the life groups would say in the last year or two of being here at South Spring, you've been involved in a life group that has been a blessing to you? Let me see a show of hands. Okay, good. You can put your hands down. Now, without raising your hands, ask yourself, when was the last time you invited someone to join that group? When was the last time you reached out to somebody else and said, you ought to come to this group with us. You ought to be a part of this. You ought to get into life with us. You ought to to engage with this with us. This is great. This is awesome what we're doing. This is part of what I feel like where we're failing. I'll unpack this more. Generosity within the kingdom and with one another. The breaking of bread, hospitality, traditions. I think we do that super well in many ways, as long as it means here. We talk to God together through prayer. We talk about God and what he says to us together. We worship him together we serve God and one another and a lost world together. This is what church is. This is how we should be living it out, and in so many ways we are. In fact, I want you to see something uh, kind of fun. I I get to unpack this with you guys for a few minutes this morning. Um, About 1,000 to 1,500 of you got this in your email recently. You got some version of this. It was a little simple survey that you got sent The main question being, first, how likely are you to recommend South Spring to a friend? Now, those of you who are in the business world may recognize this question. This is the question that creates a score called the Net Promoter Score. That's something that all businesses basically do. Um, Churches are just now catching on because typically we're a little bit behind on stuff like this, but this is something that pretty much all businesses do now. And you can go look up, in fact, I'm going to share with you some other businesses' scores here in a minute. You answer this question, 1 through 10, and whatever you answer, you get a second question. Tell us a bit more about why you chose whatever number you chose. This person chose a 10, but whatever number you chose, okay? And many of you got that. In fact, hundreds of you responded with it, which is really appreciated. That's highly appreciated. Really, this is a question of how are we doing at creating loyal, for lack of a better word, fans? People who would say, oh my gosh you've got to come to my church. Oh my gosh, you've got, I would love to invite you to my church. That that's the question that's really being asked. It creates a score. So if you gave us a nine or a 10, you're referred to as a promoter. Sevens and eight are passives. Zero to six are detractors. Creates a negative, creates a score. Percentage of promoters, minus percentage of detractors. It's going to give you a score somewhere between negative 100, which would be very bad to positive 100, which is essentially unheard of. That would mean you have no detractors or neutrals, okay? Um, and that's just not how human being's work. But that is the, that's the basic picture. Now, then you get the follow-up question. And in fact, Jason Wallace, who really spearheaded this, and his team called through pretty much everyone who got asked a question who didn't give us a 9 or a 10. How's that sound like for a fun job, right? Hey, we know you're unhappy. Would you like to talk more about that, right? that sounds like fun. So here's our, here's our easiest scores. I'm going to go through the, these are There's a lot more to this, um, but these are the, uh, the basic answers of this is what we're doing best. Biblical teaching, hospitality and authenticity, the theory that every member is a minister came up a lot, and finally, that we have a loving staff. These were the things that came up over and over again from people who were commenting on, this is what we love about the church. These were the top ones. Now, when I go back and compare that to Acts chapter 2, I think we're doing pretty well at some of the core things that we say we're about. They were trying to follow God's word, apostles' teachings and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. I think there's a lot of things we're doing super well, well here, not bad. Generally speaking, we see ourselves as doing what God has asked us to do, what he's modeled for us. So, then what are the areas of improvement? Because you know those exist too. Number one, connections, engagement. A consistent feedback was, I've been here for weeks or months or in some cases years and I still don't feel like I have found a home. I still don't feel welcomed into things. I still don't feel like I belong there's a huge, obviously huge problem, something for, that we're going to be engaging with. In other words, I come, you're so hospitable, this is such a warm place. I actually began to spot this trend a little while ago, and I started correcting people and realized, well, maybe they're correcting us, is that they would say stuff like, man, I love how you guys give so much to missions, close to half a million dollars this year that we've given to other mission organizations as South Spring outside of our church, and you go, I love how y'all do that. And I mean, and I would always say you mean we. You love how we do that? But I think there is still a sense of that. There's a you, some of us who get it, we belong. And then there's the there's not the strong sense of we among everybody. How do we correct this? In other words, I come, I'm super welcomed. It's like it's like I'm a VIP for weeks. Everybody welcomes me. It's so no one, I've never felt this welcome before in my life if I didn't have to pay for it and I come, and it's all exciting, and then I join, and now what? How do I get connected? What do I do now? This is the number one thing that we heard. And the number two that's building is a sense of higher expectations. Again, there were a lot more breakdown. I'm summarizing these as we get bigger. How do we, how do we choose a select staff, and, and what do all our staff do, and, and what are the skill sets that we have, and but our Sunday experience and communication? Like, we, we as a big church People who join now, who show up now, think of us as a big church. People who have been here for a while don't think of us as a big church. That's on purpose. That's how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be all churches are small churches. You just may have several of them in a larger church. And that's how it's, there's a sense of that that's supposed to be important. Those are called Sunday school classes and life groups and cell groups or whatever name you want to call them, small groups, the intimate aspect of being a part of a church. So, I had some like, communication is always going to be an issue. It is for everybody. I had a gentleman um, give me feedback after his family had left. And he said, I, I, I've got a funny feeling, like I'm going to tell you, like communication is a problem. For example, there's a thing I didn't know was going to happen at this time. And I suspect, even as I'm saying it, that you're about to tell me that it was on the website and it was sent out in an email and it was hanging on the wall in the men's bathroom and it was, you know, whatever else. And I'm like, Yes, to all of those. Yes, it was all of those. He's like, I don't, I don't know how we solved that. I was like, don't either, and neither does any other church. Like, we don't know why it is that we can somehow get these communications. But here's the key. You t- I'll tell you what the key is. The piece of paper right there that's in front of you or that you're sitting on that has all the different life groups listed on it, that won't get you into a life group. What will get you into a life group is when someone invites you to be part of their life group. Literally hearing a story between the services of a woman who has been a part of our church for years, leads, is a key leader in our church, and has not been a part of a life group. And two weeks ago, for the first time, she got invited to a life group, so she went. And when everyone's like, oh, why are you here? She's like, well, I got invited. I suspect about 25% of us will get invested and involved in church no matter what. You couldn't stop us if you tried. We're going to get involved. We're going to get invested. That's just who we are. We're going to be teaching. We're going to be leading. We're going to be doing all these different things. We're going to be serving with children's ministry. We're going to be in four life groups. That's, that's some of us. There's another percentage that no matter what we do, they're not going to get involved. There's nothing we could, probably 25%-ish, who are here to hide. That's why they want to be in a bigger church. They can come one Sunday at 6, and no one knows it. No one catches on. Um, that's okay if that's where you are. There's nothing nothing wrong with that. Uh, Through the work of you and your relationship with the Holy Spirit, hopefully you'll get invested and engaged. But I know that the only shot at that for those 25% and maybe the other half is actually being invited. Please come to this with me. Come serve with me in the children's ministry. Come serve with me in student ministry. Come be involved in this life group. Come be connected in this time. Come to my home. Come to lunch with me. That's what it's going to take. And we know that. Now, that's what we're going to have to change about South Spring. Um, Now, you're probably curious, like, okay, so what is the score? What is our score, right? Um, You're probably curious about that. Well, let me throw up another few companies instead first to show you where their scores are. Now, notice 0 to negative 100 is bad. Everything that's positive means that's good. You're doing good. You got good to up to 50, excellent up to 70, and world-class above 70, now, it's great when you can compare within your industry. Um, we, don't, we can't really do that. The Latter-day Saints, they do have a, uh, a, a score, an NPS score, of about 46 overall. Again, that's pretty good. Um, Osteen Ministries are in the 20s, apparently. I don't know who ran that study, so I don't know if I buy it. Um, an alleged survey of Christian organizations claims that all these Christian organizations together averaged out about 56. Again, an excellent score. But, but keep in mind, this is a question. The question is not, do you use their product? The question is even, do you like the product? The question is, are you going to tell other people about it? You ought to try this out. So yesterday I had a, uh, a nail in my tire and my wife goes, oh, you ought to go to the new discount tire place that's in the new mall. That's where you ought to go. Okay. That begins, I mean, she's a nine or a 10 about them. So I went they were incredibly efficient, incredibly clean. They took care of it. They didn't even charge me. They aired up my wife's tires while she was waiting for me. I'm now a 9 or a 10, right? I'm a pro- I just told you about them, right? You're like, okay, hey, this is a promoter. He's a promoter of who we are. Send your. I would send my friends. There are companies that do have negative scores, that have bad scores. A great example to help us learn from this is like McDonald's. So McDonald's has a negative 8. This is not a sign that we don't go to McDonald's because... Shameless though it might be, we do, right? We all go at different times. The question is not even do you like it? The question is do you recommend your friends? And can you imagine a world in which you're like, oh, have you heard of McDonald's? <laughs> you gotta try this. Oh my gosh. Like, no one recommends McDonald's. Doesn't mean they don't eat it or don't like it, just means they don't send their friends to it. DirecTV, minus 31. Uh huh. And earned every bit of it, right? That's exactly right. Sudden link, minus 97. Again, I don't know where they got the three points, but someone likes them, right? <laughs> again, you, again you, we all use them, right? We have to. There's very little other option around here, right? That's what we're stuck with. That's why. But when we're not happy with it, we don't go, oh, you know who you got to use is the Sudden link folks, right? That's just kind of how that works. So where are we? 72 world-class. as an excellent score. <laughs> Paul, I <there you> go. <laughs> Need the applause sign running, right? Yeah, you're allowed to be proud of this. This is a great score. It is world-class, although there's clearly room for improvement. Specifically, I want to overtake Starbucks. <laughs> that became my immediate... That, that's my white whale right there. I want our score higher than Starbucks score. We are in transition from a small church to a big church. We are transitioning in there, and there are going to be some growth pains there. And one of the common questions I really feel like people are asking is, I'm really surprised you don't have this figured out yet. As a big church, so if you come visit and you go, as a big church, I'm surprised you don't have the Sunday morning experience better figured out. I'm surprised you don't have the way you hire people better figured out. I'm surprised you don't have communication better figured out. And we think that's a part of it. And the main one that we're running into is, I'm surprised you don't have a way for us to get involved figured out. Well, I do have it figured out. It involves all of us inviting people. Inviting people to be a part of our church and inviting people to be a part of our lives and our lives within the church. As much as I want to beat Starbucks, let's be honest, we have bigger fish to fry Than Starbucks. Eternity is on the line here. And we've had several people, maybe hundreds of people, leave our church over the last few years because they never felt invited. And we're not the only ones. The great de church, the great de churching, this is a huge issue in America right now. We're seeing the the church really falling apart in many ways numerically. In 1972, when I was born, one in 10 Americans never went to church. If you ask how often you go to church, 9% said never. Now, 31% say never. It was one in 10, now it's one in three. So not only are we not being inviting internally, but we're not doing a good job of being inviting externally anymore. And again, that should be no surprise to any of us. When was the last time you overtly invited someone to church? And the answer probably is it's been a while. How do we do this? Here's what's here. Does me encourage you. Of those who have left, especially the evangelical church, their beliefs haven't changed. They just don't come to church. Also, 51% of them, when asked what would bring you back to church, all they do is essentially list an invitation. If somebody told me there was a great preacher, if somebody told me there was great music, if somebody told me there was great children's programming, if somebody told me there was great student ministry pro- if someone just invited me, 51% of those who have left said they would come. This is a huge problem. We have bought into the cultural mindset that inviting people to things is a burden on them or is embarrassing or it's a pain. John and I had lunch and we we're talking about this. How do you get engaged in someone else's life? And as we're leaving, we have this couple just randomly stop us. As we're literally talking about how to do this, stop us. And, and with this funny little line they had, we end up talking with them quite a bit and realizing that's it. How do you interrupt somebody else's life and invite them into yours like that couple just did us. and Why are we doing that? Because I knew I was going to be talking about this, and I wanted to feel slightly less guilty about it because the, the fingers pointed at me as well. And the kids and I, um, uh, the, the younger kids and I, we go to the Blue Noonday store on Saturday mornings as a kind of a tradition. And so we all went there together. There was a, a gentleman who was there, and we struck up a conversation with him, and in the midst of the conversation, the conversation was really over, and I realized I've not invited him to church, and I feel weird and awkward about doing it. I feel strange about inviting him to church. Why do I feel strange about inviting him to church? So I did. Well, I invite you, like, hey, you ought to come sometime. I didn't have any business cards on me. We make business cards for everybody to have that says, just says minister on it, that you can give the details and that kind of stuff. If you want those, let us know. But I realized I don't... And so I invite him, and his first words were, I've been a long time since I've been to church, but I like the idea. Maybe I'll come. He didn't seem at all offended that I'd invited him, he didn't seem all annoyed. In fact, he seemed honored that I had invited him. And I think authentically he might come. This is one of the things that struck me as a church that we sometimes say, Man, I wish we had more ethnic diversity within our congregation. It would just look a little bit more like heaven that way. That'd be really cool. Ethnic, ethnic minorities are more likely to say yes when invited than Caucasians. How do, we, how do we turn this around? Two ways. We begin to invite people outside of the church, begin to invite people in the church, and we experience fellowship with them. The Greek word koinonia. It just means togetherness, being welcomed. We do, we do authentically We are welcoming because we are authentically proud that someone joins us on a Sunday morning. We're so proud of them from a hospitality perspective. The question is, do we then have fellowship? Do we develop fellowship with them? This is verse 42. We looked at verse 44 says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. That word common is the same root word as koinonia, together, a oneness, that we see ourselves that way in common participation. It's like singing in harmony We want people to join us in our lives, in the things we've said. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. But do we? Do we proclaim what we've seen and heard? Do we invite people into our lives to be able to see, proclaim with our lives these things? We live, teach, and tell the gospel in this church. So, Nehemiah 2, we begin to unpack this. If we're going to grow which I think if we become more inviting, we will grow. We will lose less out the back door, and we'll have more and more people coming in the front door, and I think that that makes an urgency to the capital campaign. The timing is just bad again. It's unreal. Um, I can't seem to get the timing right on the sermon. Both times, that's what I was telling the guys about. So we listened, we did the research. Um, Things take a long time. If you're like, man, we haven't heard much about the capital campaign. One, don't want to bug you with it when there's not stuff to talk about. Second, transitions don't happen quickly if there's healthy. If they're healthy transitions, they don't happen quickly. They grow into place. We don't just want to tie grapes onto thistles here and then call those grape trees, grape vines. We want to to plant and tend them so they grow. Sometimes you feel impatient for the grapes. So do I. We began to put together teams, research teams, founders team, professional team, staff team, leadership board, all working together. We created all these different teams. Um, Here's where we are right now. When it comes to the finances of it, get an idea of the funds. We began to understand right now, the goal was $5.5 to $6 million version. Right now, we have pledged $5.1 million. We have $2.35 million already in hand, 2.75 more pledged. That's, that is all fantastic. Like, I am super proud and pleased with that as a church. You have done that purely based on renderings and ideas, most of which even turned out to be inaccurate. Um, we have new ideas we're about to share, I'm about to share with you. But what, I, what I'm least excited about is 312 contributors. If you look at that piece of paper in front of you, the Faithful Next Step one, it should be, should be a couple on your row, you'll notice at the bottom, if you have not already gotten involved with this pledge um, process at our church, I want you to see that the bottom of there has a place to check that your pledge is to pledge to pray. I know that the instinct is to go like, oh, that's the B team. Those of you who, who aren't willing to give money, just pray. That is, that is theologically as inaccurate as it can possibly be. The truth is none of us in here can write a check for what's left. And by the way, we could do really cool things more if we go past this number. I'll show you that in one sec. But that number should be near to 500. I see no reason why there shouldn't be more like 500 people contributing. You go, I can only contribute a few bucks. Good. Get involved and get invested in eternity through what we're doing with this. That's fantastic. I don't have any money at all. Good. Mark off that thing and pray and pray. And no matter what else you put in there, mark off the thing and pray and pray. God is going to have to provide this regardless of what we each individually want to do. God's going to have to provide it. But I want us to see 400 plus contributors. Again, I may be naive, but I don't see why that wouldn't be closer to 500. So we have gotten all this done. We've had all these teams work together and they have come up with an elegant solution. And here it is. Here are our needs. Number one, a main building space for primetime. Primetime class, the most senior citizens of our class, they need to have a place in this building. So they're not walking up and down hills to try to get to classes. That's one. Two, we're going to create this this idea that we've got, create student ministry space to get us up to 2,000. Not 2,000 students, 2,000 people present on a Sunday. That that would represent probably 240 students based on our current numbers. We would increase adult education space by about eight spaces per hour. And it would create an insula-style office. I can explain that this afternoon if you're more interested in the details on that. Um, But small, little bitty offices where people can go and work in private, but then come in together and work together, and Lord willing, a coffee shop space. An elegant space, an elegant option with room to grow. Ken Lackner and Paul McKenzie and Dave Sherman were really the energy behind these type of things. Their work has been fantastic. So I'm going to give you the quick picture. This is the idea that we build a, this is the, this building up here is our current student ministry building up here. That's up there. It's a building that's already there, the current student ministry building. The idea that they've come up with is that just above the parking lot, between the parking lot and the current student building, is we build a brand new student ministry building. I'll show you the details in a second. And that we renovate this, and we turn it into life groups and office spaces. So doing it in order of what we're talking about. First, our foyer. That's our current look at a foyer from above. You come in right there. There's the offices. Um, there's all the coffee and donuts up there and up there that's where you know where that is it requires all kinds of movement to get around in places and there's no place for a Sunday school class now there is we would take this away this part here give people easy access to stuff this expand the space a little bit and most importantly create an adult education space here in this building that's step one step two do we still need the student ministry space well this is who went to camp this year the answer to that is yes. What if we built that building and it looks something like this? What if we built a building up there above the parking lot between, before the current student ministry building? Uh, don't marry the picture. <laughs> don't even date it. I saw some of you. Some of you are also starting to hate it. Don't do that. These are flirt, first blush renderings. I don't like that angle or the curved sign. Uh. It would look something like this. A great space for the students to meet in and for others to use. It could be used for all kinds of things. And then having um, uh, eight, that's a two-story area, eight larger classrooms rather than the six smaller classrooms we have now. That's the picture. So we'd be building up there. Now, this building is expandable. You could put more over here. You could put several more classrooms over here, which would be great. If we brought in two or three more million dollars, that's exactly what we would do is expand out our student ministry. Um, to where it'd be even more appropriate for our stuff. And then maybe even an area where we could have uh, something that would double as a gym over there as well, which I also think would be great for our student ministry impacting the entire area. Okay, now this is our current student ministry building. Watch this line right here. Ready? This is, this is Dave Sherman gets credit for this idea. And then what we're going to do is this, is expand out under that roof line and have that be office space. And have the former student ministry space become like a coffee shop area. So it would be two-story offices, offices. This is the current meeting space. Um, And then these back here become adult education space. The office space, don't fall in love with this, would look like this on the inside. And then the place in the middle would be coffee shop type stuff. And then the back classrooms would become adult education rooms. Again, lots of different options back there as well. This would allow us to do what we want to do with Room to grow and expand if we needed to, and, and with a vision for if we go, hey, 6 million gets pledged, we're ready to go, and we can do it. 7 million gets pledged, 8 million gets pledged, we can expand out that student ministry space to a level that would make it world class. Um, what we're looking at is great. It would be a huge improvement. It would double allow us to double. Programmatically, we'd love to have some other options. So our goal this time, what we want to be able to do is we're going to meet tonight at 4.30. I'm going to ask some people to come up here and, and stand up here. Um, in a minute, um, uh, the Shuler, Jared's going to come up and, and lead us in a song. I, if you know the song and you want to sing, fine, but this is staying up here. This allows you to use the QR code if you want to. Our, my goal is that we would take a minute as a church, just take a couple of minutes. If you want to get up out of your seats and come and move around a little bit, you can. If you want to come ask some of us who are going to be sitting up here a question, you can do that. Um, if you want to come back at 4.30 with detailed questions, you want to really hammer through. got lots more pictures. I'd love for everyone to be here at 4.30 tonight to go through this if you want. But especially if you've not pledged, if you've not caught the vision for this yet, please come back at 4.30. If you have and you've not pledged yet, do that this morning and drop it in one of the baskets when we're done here in a minute. So you guys want to come on up. Again, you can sing with them if you want to, but I'd rather you just sit where you are. Maybe you haven't talked with your spouse yet about this, and you need to, and it's high time. You need to pray together. What can we do um, to be involved in this and a part of this? So there'll be more opportunities for Q&A again in a minute. I I keep wanting to say, are there any questions? But the truth is, if there are any questions, you can come up and ask us here in one second. So I want to close our time here in prayer. And then in a moment, um, in a a few minutes, Paul will come up and give us a benediction. But in the meantime, I want you just to sit and pray and think. You've got one of those sheets in front of you. If you don't, or you can get on the screen. Um, I would sure love to see after this morning, us us have dozens of more people saying, I'm connected, I'm engaged, I'm ready to go, I'm involved. Okay, Let me pray. Father, we're so grateful for who you are. Um, you are an awesome and mighty God. We have a few minutes here, Lord, that we want to we set aside with you, and we want to ask you to guide us. We want to ask you to lead us. Lord, we want to ask you, um, this is such a small thing. Um, this isn't the root of who we are. It's just an expression of who we are, that we could get involved. Maybe there are people here, Lord, that this is new to them. They've joined. A hundred plus people have joined since we started this campaign. And so maybe this is even new that they didn't know about this and they're able to get excited about this and they want to pledge um, over the next three years to be giving towards this as well. Lord, I I pray that you would unite us as a church, that we would be so welcoming and so warm in the way that we involve people in our lives. We invite them to our class. We invite them to our life groups. We invite them to serve with us. We invite them into our homes, and we invite them into your church. Lord, I pray, this is our our prayer, Lord, is that you would make us a church that, Lord, we are passionate about your word, and we take very seriously the responsibility to love and let your son's name be known. Lord, we take very seriously welcoming people here, and we do it so well. People love the feeling of being welcomed here. Lord, our next step that we would ask that you would conform us to the image of your Son and that we then invite them into our lives. We invite people into our homes, into our lives, into our church, into our life groups, all the different things we've said. Lord, that we would invite them in. I pray we would become a church that's not only known for our hospitality, not only known for breaking apart and studying the apostles' teaching, but we are known for fellowship with one another at a deep life way. Thank you, Lord. We pray these things in your son's magnificent name. Amen.